0: God set up some special times throughout the calendar year with his Hebrew people. And uh, there's still a lot of value in these times. God spoke about them being everlasting ordinances. Uh, We're not obligated and bound to celebrate these things. We get to. uh, So I'm going to let Joseph share.
1: Yeah, so uh, what is today? Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, three days from now. This is a very special day in the biblical and Jewish calendar called Feast of Trumpets or Rosh Hashanah, and uh, it's it's talk, spoken of, written about in several places in the in the Pentateuch, including uh, Leviticus 23, which I'll read for you. Well, actually, before I do that, I just want to um, for remind who, who if you were here or if you weren't. Uh, Trenton and I talked back in the spring at the time of Passover about how in uh, Genesis 1, it says God put His uh, the lights in the sky for several reasons, but one of them is for appointed times. It's like appointments. He has special times to meet with his people. And one of those is, of lights in the sky, of course, is the moon. And it says in Leviticus 23, on the seventh month, on the first day of the month. So it's when there's a new moon. Uh, then you will celebrate the uh, the Feast of Trumpets, or the Feast of Blowing, or or Shouting, even. It, it can mean uh, different things like that. And it says, uh, "The Lord's, This is Leviticus twenty three, twenty three. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Speak to the people of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall serve, you shall observe." A day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaimed with the blast of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, and you shall present a food offering to the Lord. And that's on the the first day of the month, and then ten days after that is Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, and it's one of the most special days in the biblical calendar, and it's uh it's really special also for all of us because. Of our uh, recognition of Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and uh, the day of this period of time for the Jewish people is a really special period. In some ways, it's comparable, like this month that'll be coming to an end, the lunar month, and then those first ten days of this coming uh, lunar month is so could be compared in some ways with Lent in the Christian tradition. Because it's a time of soul searching, it's a time of repentance, and it's a time of preparation for Yom Kippur, and then and then for what comes five days after that, which is the Feast of Tents or Tabernacles, which is a time in which the Jewish people remembered how God their time in the wilderness, but it also looks forward to. Both the the first and the second coming of Jesus, because it says in John that He came and tabernacled among us. Okay, so there's just it's so it's such an amazing theme really throughout the Bible. But I just really this morning I was speaking with one of my neighbors in our our neighborhood over there and here in town, and uh he started talking to me about Lent, and and I've never really I've never it wasn't part of my tradition growing up, and I just. You know, I struggle with it. I just not really, you know, I still, I don't you know it's hard for me to fully embrace it, but then I recognize there's this connection. And so I felt like the Holy Spirit was uh, orchestrating that in order to get my attention and to bring to all of our attention this special time we're in. So, um, I think it's just uh, you know, it remains a an appointed time. Like God set these times from the beginning. And there's still things that are to be fulfilled, in particular in Jesus' second coming. And beyond that, you know, we don't know. But uh, so it's something for us to be aware of, to be discerning and sensitive about. And there's a, I remember Sue sharing a couple months ago when she spoke about the daily sacrifice in the temple and how we need to come and present ourselves to the Lord daily. And it's a... It's like a f- kind of fulfillment of the meaning of that daily sacrifice. Well, on this, on these special appointed times—Tuesday night uh, at sundown into the following day, and then uh, ten days after that, Yom Kippur, and then another five days, Feast of Tents. These are uh, times in the in the biblical, in the Jewish, in the biblical uh, instruction where there were added sacrifices that were done communally. So it can be a time of in addition an even greater time of consecration to the lord and um coming before him and discerning like what you know lord i'm yours you know our act of worship is laying our lives before him so i just wanted to bring that to everyone's attention that this is a really special uh, period of two weeks that we're just about to enter into so thank you for bringing our attention to that joseph I can
0: personally testify, it was about 2014, well it was 2014, um, and I was aware of the biblical feasts and these appointed times, I was aware of the concept, but in October of 2014, uh, the Day of Atonement um, and Feast of Tabernacles, I just felt drawn to the sacred nature of those times, and I have noticed Over the last eight years, a lot of God activity in my life personally in those time periods. Sometimes I've been more aware of it at the time. Sometimes it's been retrospectively. But I think um, if I could encourage you with what Joseph said, just pay attention. It's not complicated. Pay attention. You don't have to have all the details of what went into them. If you have a heart to, to study and look into that, I mean, it would be a blessing. God would meet you there. But if nothing else, just pay attention. These are appointed times. And no one in here is excluded from that. If God says they're appointed times, they're appointed times for you, okay? Um, So thank you, Joseph, for calling our attention to that. Those of you who have been here are aware That our first meeting in September, I really felt God impressing on my heart during our worship time. That he wanted us to remember the words he's spoken to us in our individual lives and also as a community. And so it was on my heart to um, speak some of the main messages that he has spoken to our hearts, and to my heart personally, for this community. Uh, So, there has been so much. uh, There has been so much that um, God has put into my heart over the last 15 years, 16 years, since 2006. He delivered me in 2004, but 2006 is really when... um, the communication began about plans he had for my life, plans he had um, for this area, for the United States, and uh, I by no means see um, anywhere close to the full picture. We each see our part, you know, uh, but I I'm confident that he has given me a part, and, and I want to share um, what's my part just like I want you guys to share your part whatever God has put into you and while I'm saying that I wanted to point out um, the home groups have been such a blessing for me to hear about Um, and I got to visit the Culbertsons uh, on Monday Uh, this week you know I'd share with you guys I'm going to be popping around to different groups and just uh, I just want to be a fly on the wall and and uh, just be encouraged And I was so encouraged. It was such a blessing. Megan and Caroline uh, hosted at their house, and they were so welcoming, so hospitable. People brought food, really tasty food. It all went together very well. Uh, It was Asian-themed, and it was just so good. Um, But every part of the meeting was um, God was present. I just kept telling Karis. I was so encouraged by that. Um, And, you know, even Zeke, 12-year-old Zeke, um, at the conclusion kind of of our time after they had been eating, uh, worship music, Megan played and it was great. And then uh, Trenton shared, he, he spoke from the Bible, Joseph had asked him and, and shared um, a super word. And then Joseph and Jen facilitated some more and uh, other people had great things to share. And as things were winding down <laughs> Zeke, 12-year-old Zeke, goes, oh, "Well, wow, that was powerful. <laughs> and we were like, oh, Joseph's like, you want to elaborate <laughs> or something like that? And so Zeke ends up just speaking uh, about uh, what was going on. And then he specifically speaks, um, he's like, God was just around Krista. And he said, I saw God ministering to Krista's heart and meeting her uh, in, in all that she's been through. And Krista starts, uh, weeping and I'm sure she wouldn't mind. She's pretty out there with her heart for God. And, and it was just powerful. Then uh, we got to pray for Krista, but it it was so amazing that every part of the meeting, God was present. Even, uh, one of the kids was being used by God to discern. I mean, he's like, wow, that was powerful. (laughs) just talking about the spiritual atmosphere, and then out of that spiritual atmosphere, he specifically speaks God's heart, or we could say prophesize, to Krista in a way that melts her heart, and then we, as a body, got to feed more into that. We were just talking about you back there, Krista. I, I was talking about how 12-year-old Zeke uh, took out his prophetic uh, machine gun and shot you. Um. So I I was just so encouraged by that, and I look forward to coming to the other meetings. I look forward to getting my sweat on with the Ferraros on a Saturday morning. What's that? No, I can't be a fly on the wall. i got to jump right in the midst of it. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. And again, Saturday, 9.30 a.m., is that right? Uh, Ferraro's gym there on Asbury Drive. Um, Go and get your sweat on. It's the home church that uh, moves and lifts and pushes it. And these are the ones you want uh, to be pushing you. I've witnessed it with my own eyes. Um, And Adani and Noel, I was actually scheduled to come to theirs this week, but I've got a birthday week for my wife. My wife, on Monday, is turning 36. Um, It's amazing. Uh, We met when she was 17. We've been together ever since. Hiatus for me from uh, speaking... (laughs) Publicly, or speaking here. So, quick recap. Two weeks ago, I talked about the threefold flood. In summary, I submitted to you that I believe God wants to flood central Kentucky. I believe He wants to flood America. I believe He wants to flood the globe with the knowledge of Himself. The Bible is clear, it says, as the waters cover the sea, so my, the knowledge of the glory of God will fill the earth. Okay, so God has already promised the knowledge of the glory of God. I, I don't know about you, I would venture, because I know this group pretty well, that you are like me. I would like to know, have more of a knowledge, an intimate knowledge of the glory of God. The glory is his personhood, his personality, his heart, his presence. I want to have a fuller knowledge of the glory of God. And nobody can make that happen except God himself. But he's promised he is going to do that. He's going to flood. So the threefold flood is all about just knowing God, okay? But he's going to bring up from the ground the wells. He's going to rain down from heaven, the rain of God, and his rushing river is going to break any dam, any demonic dam, any dam that's been held back by God's angels just because of his timing. God's going to release it. And these three elements, the, the wells that we, by the grace of God, have been digging because it was... Isaac who redug the wells of his father. Okay, we are redigging wells that people in the past have dug. Francis Asbury, the statue of him right here. He came to this area in the 1700s and he dug wells. John Wesley Hughes 100 years later in the 1800s came to this region and dug wells. And this is evidence. You know, Francis Asbury started the first school though. And because of finances and the raids of Native Americans, it didn't last. But that was beautiful to God. He said, in God's mind, he's like, Francis, you're not a failure. I'm taking that digging, and 100 years later, I'm going to put a school here that remains, and I'm going to name it after you. The the wells that uh, John Wesley Hughes dug in the 1900s, The move of God's spirit came again and again like waves on Asbury's campus, and it went out. The Jesus movement that really got going from California, if you want to get something popular in America, just stir it up in California, okay? As California goes, so goes the nation, all right? Well, Asbury students went out to California, and they lit fires out there that ignited the Jesus movement. Not that Asbury students were completely responsible, but God used them as tools. And before you knew it, Jesus was getting so famous in America, they put his face on the front of Time Magazine. God has done a lot through the wells that he has empowered people to dig in this community. We are not alone. This is not of us. Long before there was dwelling ministries, long before there was even an Asbury College, now university, God's people were digging wells and as a matter of fact, I just was thinking about it, this very church building, the wood that, and the timber that is downstairs that is holding this building up came from one of the first congregations in Jessamine County. A guy named Jacob Rohr led the Moravians, and there's a Moravian cemetery on Jessamine Station you can check out. But he led these group of believers, and the Moravians were so integral. They're the only group of people, or they have the longest record for a continual prayer meeting. They had a prayer meeting that lasted 100 years. It, it lasted generations, okay? God poured out his spirit in Hernhut, Germany, used a guy named Count Zinzendorf, who had a whole lot of money, God blessed him, and he had this property, and he welcomed some people onto his land, and God moved. He poured out his spirit in August of 17-something, I can't remember. And the world was never the same. The Moravians would, some of them would sell themselves into slavery so that they could reach those in bonds. John Wesley, who changed the whole world, was brought into the Holy Spirit through the Moravians. This church building—I don't think it's any accident that we're meeting here. It's the very timber um, comes from some of the first people to exalt Jesus in Jessamine County. So, all that to say, there have been a lot of wells that have been dug here, and we are just simply redigging those. We've been there. Dwelling Ministries um, has been, it's like if you see the, the words, like I'm seeing out dwelling, we have been digging wells, okay, Dwe- like dwell, uh, we've been digging wells, D-well, that's what we're here to do, okay, and God says, I'm using that, I'm inspiring that, and I'm going to do something that you can't do. Because we can dig with the strength of God. But there's not one of us who can pull the raindrops out of the clouds. God's going to do that. He's going to send the rain. And we also, we can't in our own strength just break the dam. We can't cause the river to flow. But God's going to release it. And this threefold flood is going to sweep, sweep away the region and little Wilmore will be flooded just like Uncle Tim saw in 1969 or so. He saw the whole city flooded and again the main goal of this flood is to know the glory the personhood of God but I also want to reiterate something and Karis is like you need to explain a little bit more what you what you were uh, saying there. I said about the flood what it's going to do for us, one of the main results for us, other than just knowing God, and these are intimately connected, it's going to get us out of control. And she's like, you need to explain that, because some people are just thinking, ah, I'm out of control! Um, it might look like that for, for some of you, so get ready. Okay? Paul, Paul was talking one time, he said, if I'm out of my mind, it's because of God, it's for God's sake. But if, in my, if I'm on my right mind, it's for you, okay? Sometimes Paul was considered a foolish babbler madman. As a matter of fact, John the Baptist and Jesus, they called Jesus a madman, okay? They're like, you're a lunatic. You are insane. Either that or you're demon-possessed or both. And also, you're a drunkard. You go to those parties with the sinners. So it would be no new thing if we were called madmen, all right? Tony and I made a song called Madman and it's about the original madman Jesus and how he makes us those who are called madmen and madwomen. But I don't, firstly, mean I don't think the Holy Spirit is saying he's going to get you out of control and be cuckoo, okay? I mean, again, when we're in control of our lives, control comes from fear. When we are born into this earth, of the curse we come out with a spirit of fear fighting the spirits of fear out here and we come out searching for control and our whole lives outside of God's help we are searching for control we're doing whatever we can do to be in control and we've taken that control into our relationship with God we control our relationship with God we use our right arm, our strength, our wisdom to work out a relationship with God. God is going to do something for us. He's going to get us out of our own strength, out of our own control, because the Holy Spirit is the one who is to control our lives. So the flood's going to help with that, okay? When a massive flood comes, like Ezekiel's River, you're just, you, you don't, when a flood comes, as I mentioned, you don't just like, set, like tell the waves where to go. I mean, Jesus gives us the authority, like, when we've got, like, storms of life, he says we can rebuke the waves and the wind. You don't rebuke God, okay? (laughs) If God's like, I'm gonna flood, I rebuke you, God. Okay, good luck with that. The flood carries us away into the knowledge of God and whatever he wants. All right, so threefold flood. Last week I talked about one of the results of this flood will be a change of the landscape. And I gave the message last week about the beach slash bay of Wilmore. We don't have an ocean anywhere close to our central Kentucky hub here, but I believe God is going to create paradise here where we are living in complete union with him because that's what paradise is. Uncle Tim put the song by Tadashi on the playlist. It's called Paradise, and in, in the hook, Tadashi was saying, What's paradise if it's not with you? What is paradise? I could have it all, but it would be meaningless. Jesus Christ is paradise. The person of God is paradise. He is our promised land. He is our garden of Eden. He is the goal. In him are hidden all the treasures of knowledge. All the riches are in him. That's what paradise means and again you see the the knowledge of the glory of god is resident in a person it was it pleased god to have his whole personhood in a man who was god and who is god named jesus why don't you stand up and show everybody your shirt davy come on up here and don't be distracted by this man's uh big strong arms okay look at his chest don't be distracted by his big pecs either (laughs) look at the shirt Jesus, the ultimate deadlifter. That's awesome, dude. I love the colors on that thing, too. This is all about Jesus. This is all about the person of God who is a man forever. He has real whiskers if he's still growing them. I don't know exactly. I I don't know how tall he is. Is he taller than Ken? I don't know. I don't know. But he is a man who exists, and he is receiving our attention right now. He's here in the midst. He said in the book of Revelation, I am the one who dwells in the midst of the lampstands. The lampstands, he explained to us, were his people, the church. He's in the midst of dwelling. He's been walking silently through the pews. He is in our midst, and all the attention is on him. And that's what paradise is going to be. We're we're getting a deposit of it now, but God has more. He has a flood to bring, and he has a paradise, a beach, a bay, a holy Hawaii, where we're rejoicing, having cookouts on the beach, having luau's, where we're roasting pigs as a sign of roasting our enemies, where the Father is killing the fattened calf as a sign of his heart of mercy and forgiveness for us and the favor. God is going to pour himself out in a paradise way. He's going to have us playing volleyball with the angels. And I, I don't mean necessarily literally, although anything is possible with God, okay? Anything is possible. But I'm using it as a picture to show how we will be rejoicing like the angels rejoice because they are in the presence. He has paid for us to be in the presence. And paradise is going to be an exclamation point that we have brought, been brought in to the person of God and that we are in his presence and that we are one with him. Because everything in the spirit of this age, fights against the knowledge of Jesus Christ being united to us. So much of the time we're spent in fear. And because of that fear, we try to control our lives and even slap Jesus on a big portion of it. But he's going to help deliver us from that fear. David said, the Lord delivered me from all my fears. That was under the Old Testament. If that covenant a man could speak by the Holy Spirit and say, I was delivered from all my fears. How much more will the deliverance to the depths, will the unprecedented deliverance shift our lives? What's it going to be like when you look at a person free from fear? What's it going to be like when you w- wake up in the morning and you walk out of your house or you walk into your kitchen, you interact with your children, you interact with people at your job with no fear? This is not only possible, it is coming to the earth. There's no way the the bride will become pure and spotless or the body will mature into the full stature of Christ. Both of those things are biblical promises. There's no way that happens when we're bound by fear. So get ready. Fearless human beings coming soon to a theater near you. Why don't you be the star of that movie? The life and times of Piper Byer completely set free from fear. This is what God wants to do in paradise. All right. Now, all these things go together. Like I said, the flood is necessary to create the beach and bay of Wilmore landscape, which is paradise, as we've been talking about. Out of the place of paradise, there is going to be a cultivation of, Of people. God doesn't just want us to play volleyball with the angels. He doesn't just want us to have luau's with one another and cookouts, campouts on the beach. He wants to bring people into that. He wants the family to grow, He wants the camp to expand. He wants more participants in paradise. Jesus prayed before he um, gave up his physical body. He said, Father, I pray not only for these, I pray for all those who will come in, that they would know you, that, that, that we would all be one, just the way you and I are one, Father. Do you know that Jesus gets every prayer request he asks for? Every prayer request he asks for, Not one is like, fathers. oh, you missed it there, son. Uh, Not that one. Try again. Eh. No. Everything he prayed was from the Spirit and was in sync with God's heartbeat. So everything he asked for will be granted him. And Jesus asked that we would be one just as the Father and Jesus are one. And let's please not relegate that. To some far off place when we get swept away to heaven. That's gonna be even greater glory. But He has purchased union for us now. We're not waiting for the union, we're waiting for God to help us see and enter into the union. He's already paid for it though. Well, out of this beach atmosphere, the message I wanna focus on tonight is God wants to create you us into a family army of friends. Family, army, friends. And I want to hit each one of those, just a real simple three, boom, 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 that I think will be easy for you to take away at least the substance. But I also want to say again, tonight and these last couple of weeks, these three weeks that he's having me proclaiming these things. It's not firstly for our instruction. Okay? I believe in instruction. I believe God has been instructing us through these things um, that I've been sharing, that I believe he's spoken about us in this region. But the main purpose, I believe, and what I'm doing is I'm agreeing with God's word and I'm proclaiming it into the atmosphere. And I'm saying, God, here's your word. Let it happen. Because he wants us to participate. He could do anything at any time. But he likes to use us. He used Jeremiah and he used Ezekiel to shift atmospheres over nations through the words they spoke and through the words they wrote. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this, firstly, is just to exalt Jesus in his prophecies about this land. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So, again, the goal of these prophecies, these words, just a simple testimony of Jesus. It's what Jesus says about us and about this land. And I believe he looks at us and says, you are my family, army of friends. Family has a special quality. You were born to your parents. You have the same blood in your body as your parents. And even some of you who may have grown up with uh, non-birth parents, you came from the blood of two people. And then in the home, wherever you lived, whether with your blood or birth parents, or with parents who took you in with the heart of God, you had a dynamic with your family that is unlike any other relationship. Family is a unique, special thing that, as I shared with the kids, God invented it. And and even before he invented it, I don't get this, but it was him. It is him. He is in covenant family relationship with himself, I, I'm not going to try to explain that anymore because I don't understand it. But it's true. So I'm going to come back to family in a moment. There is an irreplaceable quality of family, In it's like you, you know, like you've heard somebody. No, you don't talk about my family, man. You don't talk about my mama. Are you insulting my dad? Hey, I can insult my dad, not you.: You messing with my brother? All right, You're messing with the whole crew, then. That's the way we grew up. It wasn't always spirit-led. <laughs> Mostly, it wasn't spirit-led. But I believe, even our, our carnality, it spoke of something very special. We are family. We are bonded. We are blood brothers. We are blood related. And that's who we are. Through the blood of Christ Jesus, we have a bond as family that is far greater than our physical bond. And I know it's like we we don't quite feel that at this point. But I believe that's part of paradise too. We're going to see how blood related, how blood bonded we are to one another. We'll get back to family in a second. Army, there is something about going to battle with others. Having someone's back in a battle and them having yours, it forms a bond that, again, is irreplaceable. It's different than family. Although soldiers may say, that was my family. My troop was my family. That company was my family. But going to battle, it it brings out a different person in you, and it brings out a different person in the, those who are with you. And there is a different bond that is formed in the trenches, particularly with those when their lives are on the line. You, you have this fight for one another that is unique to that dynamic. And for those of you who played sports, before the prayer meeting, uh, some of us were talking about sports, and then we kind of prayed along that theme, a number of us. And uh, I was bragging on my nephew, uh, Caleb, who's quarterback for the middle school team, and just doing an awesome job. But um, when you're on a sports team, it's not the same as battle, okay? But there is an element, you're going against the enemy, and there's this quality of fighting for one another, particularly on the football field, in my own personal experience, because it's just so violent, and it's like war out there. And you're just in the trenches, in the mud, and, and raining, and just... There's like a bond you form when you see you're like, like, I mean, to this day, you know, I I think about Madison Pohl, who played uh, defensive tackle right next to me. I'm D.N. I mean, there's just something there. Okay. God has called us to the ultimate gridiron the ultimate field, the ultimate court, to fight for his glory, to fight for the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ, and to fight for those who don't yet know him. There is a bond that comes into us as the people of God when we fight for one another. A year ago at the first retreat we had out in Donkey Town, um, I remember Laura saying, I want to fight for you guys. We are called to fight for one another. And there is a dynamic of being warriors together, soldiers together, that brings a bond like nothing else. And friends... You're born into a family, okay? You didn't choose your family, it's been said, okay? You were born into a family, period, okay? You don't get to pick and choose who are going to be the warriors who fight with you in the military. You may have a specific branch that you are focused on, You may have special skills, but you are in that unit. You are in that military place, and whoever's with you is whoever's with you. It's who the commanding officers have put with you. And in times of war, now we haven't seen this, thank God, in decades, but there's a draft where even if you didn't sign up for the Army, You get pulled into it. So you're born into a family you don't choose. You don't choose a specific family and family members. You get inducted and placed in a military unit, and it's not like recess where you're like, yeah, I'll take that guy, I'll take that girl. You, You know, you are put there by the commanding officer. Those family bonds are unique in themselves. The military, army bonds, where you fighting for one another? Those are unique. But you can have family, and you can be an army. You can have that love for your family and that bond of loyalty and fight for your army companions, your co-soldiers. and you can still not be friends with them. Because there's a love that you have for your family that just is. And even with some of us who have okay, we all have broken families, okay? Let's make that clear. But some of us have more pained experiences and wrongdoing that we've gone through. Even so, if we're honest with ourselves, there is a commitment to that family of in our hearts of love. And when you're in the army, there's a commitment. In order for you to survive, you've got to be committed. In order for you to survive, they've got to be committed to you. But it doesn't mean you're going to hang out. Now, oftentimes, there are friendships that develop, but some people don't ever become friends, even though they're together all the time on the sports field, OK? This is not just a family. It's not just an army. It is a family army of friends. Friends are who you choose to be with. Friends are who you feel affection for. Friends are who you like. Which carries a different connotation than love. It's an expression of love. In fact, Proverbs says, a friend loves at all times. When you feel friendship with somebody, loving them becomes easy. So just a few more points about family, army, and friends. God is firstly, he's our father. He brought us to to birth. He did it through our older brother, Jesus. And Jesus is also a father to us. And Isaiah prophesied he's everlasting father. He fathered us into the father's family. The father fathered Jesus. And once Jesus fathered us into the father's family, the father fathers us. And the Holy Spirit's just going back and forth between everybody. It's a family. The f- He's our dad. He is our Abba, which I believe the closest um, English word we have that is dada. Some people say daddy, but I, I feel like it's dada. No, not just emotionally, I feel like, as I've looked into that. It's an intimate, close Relationship of such comfort. It's one thing to call somebody daddy, and but you call him dad, dad. Me, <laughs> as a grown man, if we're going to celebrate Karis's birthday with my family tomorrow, it, we're gonna have a big meal, and hey, dad, dad, will you pass the mashed potatoes? He'd be like, son. But that's the kind of bond that God does not want us to grow out of. That. With him, I treasure the days when Zion called me Dada. Karis will send me like heart-piercing pictures, heart-melting pictures of Zion when she was younger, or like little videos. She's like Dada, and I'm like a a puddle. There's something that melts the father's heart when we see him as our Dada. He is our Dada, and we're his children. How also were his family? And this actually takes it to a whole nother level. We are the spouse of God. He said back in Hosea, he says, There's coming a day, no longer will you call me my Baal or my master. You will call me my husband. He, God, is our husband. And Jesus himself has a special role as our bridegroom, but the Father's our husband too. You think it's locked in, like, legally to, oh, no, he can't play spouse. What are you talking about? He is our husband. God is our maker, is our husband. The most intimate kind of relationship you have, the foundation of family, family on this planet comes from a man and a woman coming together, no matter what junk is trying to seep through this nation, which will be shot down by the power of God, which will be delivered from our schools and our children. Just a bonus point there. Family comes from the union of man and woman, spouse, union. That's our call, our invitation into God. So we have family as the bedrock and the root of our existence on this earth with God. With God all things are possible. So we have to like look to God first. God. 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 But from that place, then we love one another. Then we family, we family with the family. We are family. It says uh, so many times in the scriptures, it calls us the brethren. Sisters in Christ, you were part of the brethren too, okay? They were heavy on masculine language in ancient times. But you guys have always been the crown jewel, okay? So don't get it twisted. He saves the best wine for last. God always is increasing. So you guys being the the last part of humanity, it's like, oh. okay? So don't rub it in our faces, all right? I know we drop the ball on like giving you that honor. A lot we do. I do. Um, But it's the truth. You all are the crown. Okay? But you're the brethren. We're all the brethren. In modern translators, I appreciate, because it drives home what, what was on God's heart, brothers and sisters, beloved, you are the family of God. We are family, and we are united by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I believe this flood that comes, the knowledge of the glory of God, the person, the glory of our Father, the glorious Father. It says in, he's the glorious Father or the Father of glory. As we get to know the Father of glory who dwells in unapproachable light yet he makes it approachable, as, as we dwell with him and learn about his glory, his personhood, his dad dad heart, we're going to just melt into familial love. And we'll look at one another and be like, you're my family. Like, I don't have to force myself to believe or to act like you're my family. We are blood brothers. Blood sisters. All right, let's move on to army. One of the titles, I believe it's over 200 times, that God uses for himself in the Old Testament is a lot of times it's translated Lord God of hosts. What it means is Yahweh of armies, literally, Yahweh of armies. And some have said, you know, that even uh, you may have heard the song where they sing about this. The God of the angel armies of, of heaven. And I believe that's accurate. He's got a whole army full of angels. But the angels aren't his only army. We've been brought into his army. Paul talks about the armor of God. God gives us his armor. Paul also writes about the armor of light. Why do you need armor if you're not in a war, if you're not in the army? And Paul talks about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty in God. So we have weapons. You use weapons when you're in an army. It's for the casting down of strongholds and destroying every vain imagination that exalts itself against the knowing of God. We are to walk around with weapons Sometimes we don't even know when we use our weapons. Destroying people's vain imaginations against the true knowledge of God. Casting down the arguments that are in their minds just by our presence. And sometimes we have specific words. Sometimes there are prayers. But at a basic level, it's the person of Jesus through us who is the glory of God who incinerates false lies, false statements about who God is, blockades and dams and brick walls and castles of demonic agreement where our personhood, united with Jesus, destroys blockades and barriers to the knowing of God. We are in the army with weapons, with armor. And just as there is a unique bond of family that we're going to come into and understand it's already it's true right now we just need to see it and experience it more but we are soldiers with one another we're soldiers of God paul called timothy the good soldier of Christ Jesus and as joshua came to find out we have a commander. He's the commander of the armies. We have a commander. We here in this little troop, I don't even know what we, Chris, what's the smallest unit of the army? A squad. I don't know if we're anything beyond a squad, but if we can be the God squad, that's great with me, okay? God squad it is. Just two syllables, all right? Humble and We are who we are, just like God says, I am who I am, and Paul says, I am who I am by the grace of God. We are who we are, a little God squad. But we're important to God, and we're important to people in this region who God is going to get and deliver and rescue through the God squad. We don't have to feel pressure to make ourselves into a warrior, okay? We are the army of God. We are from him. He is simply proclaiming over us, guys, you're my warriors, and get ready for me to reveal more and more how you are my warriors, my soldiers, and how you are fighting for one another, and how you are fighting for the lost sheep of Israel. And that beach is a great place, like you go on family vacation, okay? One day I want to go on family vacation to Hawaii with Karis and Zion. Someday. But you go to the beach, you go on vacation as a family, okay? So the family element is cultivated here in the beach, the Bay of Wilmore. But also, one of the most famous and infamous military bases in United States history is Pearl Harbor. It was a military base, Okay? But I believe the difference between this paradise and Hawaii paradise is our military base is not going to be destroyed or attacked without our knowing. Paul says we are not ignorant of Satan's schemes. I believe he's going to keep us safe. But we become family on this beach. We also become trained soldiers, warriors who fight for one another, who learn the weapons that have been given to us. We learn how to use them. We learn which Role we play. Every person plays a role in the squad, in the troop, in the company. Each one of us is a uniquely gifted, uniquely skilled, with unique weapons soldier. Get ready to find your place in the army. All right, let's round it down here. Friends, as I said before, you can be born into a family, you can enlist and be a part of an army and you've got a fidelity to your family, you've got a commitment to your army that just is what it is. But friendship is a whole different level of relationship. When Jesus paid with his blood for us to be inducted into the family of God, it was not just so we could be like, oh yeah, see this card? Um, It means I belong to God. It'll be great Uh, The benefits in eternity are great. That's true and more true than we realize. But God's goal was not just to get us in to the family name. His goal was and is to get us into the family name. The name in the Bible is the personality. It's the glory. It's the expression of who somebody is in the heart. He wants to get us to know him by name. And he wants to know us by name. Well, God knows everything. He knows everybody. Paul says those who know God are rather who are known by God. God wants to bring us into a place of friendship where, you know, like that friend, a person who's your deep friend. And they could be a family member. But it takes friendship to truly know someone. It takes friendship to truly know your spouse. It takes friendship for a father to really know his son, for a brother to really know his brother, for a sister to really know his sister, for a brother to really know his sister. It takes friendship. God wants to develop a friendship with us. Like Abraham, Abraham was known as the friend of God. God himself said that through Isaiah. He's like, he was my friend. What if God said about you, about your life, which you had lived 1,300 years before, something like that? He said, that that person was my friend. He's my friend. She's my friend. God wants to bring us in that friendship with him and out of that friendship with him into a friendship with one another where you don't just out of obligation fight for your family Or fight for your soldiers because that's just what you do. You want to, you not only have, you not only fight, but you have fun with them. You smile, you laugh, you call them up, you spend time, you watch movies with them, you watch the UK game, you hang, you talk about deep stuff, you sit with each other and just don't talk about anything. just like being around one another. One of the most painful things for me in my experience in the body of Christ has been experiencing the rage of Satan against friendship in the house of God. Don't condemn yourself for the smallness of of our friendship as believers. Let's be honest, and I don't wanna speak curses or like have a negative, uh, pessimistic view, but honestly, there as I proclaimed, uh, I was surprised when I said it, I said it years ago when we were out at Adventure Serve, I said, there's distance between us. There is distance in the friendship that God wants from us And that we long for. But you don't need to bear. I mean, I know we all have our responsibilities. And we could do better to become friends with one another in the body of Christ. And not just here. Other believers you know, okay? But Satan has raged so hard. He is deathly afraid of friendship. Because a friend is the one who loves at all times. A friend is the one who lays down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one this. He laid down his life for his friends. The greatest love comes from demonstrating for friends what you feel about them. That's why Satan is so afraid of friendship. So, I always had, and I didn't even realize this, I had this God-given gift To make friends and to make friends be friends. I never tried, you know, consciously. It was just part of my nature ever since I could babble. It's just what I did. With all of my grace and ability to do that. And we had a crew back when I was in high school who, people from the outside, they would either marvel or get really jealous. Not because we were the coolest, best looking. We were pretty cool, pretty good looking. (laughs) Pretty dope, Emma. But there was a love between us, amongst us, that made people scratch their head. When God invited Karis and I to go into this work, I took all that I could in my heart and my giftings into that. And what I did effortlessly from a little tot on up, I've, I have discovered, I have learned all the resources of friend expertise given to Travis doesn't come close to enough for developing friendship in the body of Christ. It's been one of my greatest pains is the war against my friendship with the body of Christ and the friendship of the body of Christ with me. And the greater pain is is the war against our friendship with Jesus, which is the source of all the trouble. Now, as I say that, we're going to close it with a, a hopeful prayer. Not just hopeful like I hope it'll be good weather tomorrow. The biblical definition of hope, I don't know if you'll find this in like the glossary, but I believe this is theologically sound. Firm expectation of good. Firm anticipation of good. How great is his goodness, which he has stored up, which he pours out on his people who fear him publicly. Psalm 31. He pours it out publicly. How great is his goodness? I believe he's going to pour out his goodness in a flood that will create a beach bay of Wilmore. And from that place, he's going to raise up a family army of friends who really like each other. And we're going to be one. And as the scripture says, they will know God by our love, our love for one The world's going to scratch their head way, way beyond something totally different than what you or I may have had with a close group of friends. I mean, it'll be a real head scratch, and it'll be like, I must be a part of what you have. Father, we uh, thank you that you are our dad. You are our dada. We really want to experience that more. We want to uh, know by experience what Paul prayed in Ephesians 3. We want to know the height, the depth of the love of God, the love of our dada, Abba. We want to know that love by experience, not just on the the, the text on the page. We want you to imprint it on our hearts that you are our dad and you have agape for us. Let us, God, get agape. Let us really get it. And God, out of that place, let us overflow with agape to our brothers and sisters. Let us have agape fathers and mothers in the faith here where we just father and mother people in to the faith. And Father, raise us up as your mighty army. Reveal yourself as the Yahweh of armies. Be our commander. Show yourself like you showed yourself to Joshua. Cause us to fall at your feet. And say, Yes, sir. And because we're part of Yahweh's army, let us fight for one another with a tenacity and a commitment such as never been seen before. And Father, bring us into friendship, close, intimate knowing of you, and you knowing us, and us knowing one another and being known by one another. Let the liking of one another come forth. God, raise the God squad up. Let us be a family army of friends. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week, uh, we're not going to have uh, somebody scheduled to speak. I want to invite you uh, to be ready to speak anything God's been putting into your heart. I specifically would invite you to just share and speak about what's happening in your house churches? How has God been speaking to you? What has uh, he been doing in those places? It doesn't have to be limited to that, but I would love to see some of that. We, we just want to um, have a, a regular time of, uh, I believe God-appointed and anointed messages are important, proclaiming with unction a message, but I also believe little uh, granules of salt from each one of us is important. So uh, we're going to do that next week. So get ready with your grain of salt, or if you have a whole shaker full, we'll, we'll, we'll take that too. Thank you all for being here tonight. Hope you have a, a great evening, and I hope you have a great week. Um, if anybody wants to help uh, take speakers down and make sure things are cleaned up with kids' stuff, that would be awesome. All right.